This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you're the closer now and you beat the Padres the way you did, and now you're facing the Mets, we got this impression, basically because Braden Looper started singing it after you guys beat us, that you guys kind of mocked the Jose Reyes, Jose, Jose, Jose. You kind of thought it was dopey. Maybe <laughs> you thought he was dopey. What's the deal? Were you guys, like, did you think that was pathetic? Did you think we were pathetic for singing it? Your thoughts? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't even remember doing that, honestly. I, first of all, I love Jose. I think he's a, he had a great career, and he was he was always uh, very nice to me. I always felt like we had a great relationship from across the diamond. Um, but number seven was not an easy out, you know, and he he actually hit a really hard Oh, ball I know. Line drive off the bat. I couldn't believe drive. Jim Edmonds cruised over to it, made it look so easy. That that yeah, at bat in that yeah. inning, Wayno. Can I call you Wayno, or should I call you a different name? Should I call you a curse word? What do you want me to call you? Yeah, call Wayno. me Wayno. Dude, that ball off the bat, I thought, because I'm sitting behind home plate, I thought that was going up the alley. You must have been scared shitless when he hit that ball. No, because if you watched before the pitch, I went out to Jimmy and I said, hey, move about five feet that yes. way. I'll just stay right there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jimmy was great at that kind of positioning, though. You know, there was, uh, if you made your pitch in a locations where you, you were trying to make him, he knew right where to be and he had incredible first steps but uh that was all positioning right there man that was that was uh and and that was a good pitch too he just went down and got it and hit a hard ball um but uh you know i think that was a a, a, the precursor to that was i struck out jose earlier in the series um on a curveball in the dirt and so you know when you get a guy swinging at your curveball in the dirt and then the next one you throw him is a little bit higher that looks like it's down the middle so even if it was a couple days away, the hitters remember that. Good well, hitters remember that. Kind of here's one thing that I don't think enough Met fans remember. And obviously, just by talking to you for a few minutes, I certainly know you're going to remember it. Game five, in a lot of ways, is the most painful game of this series for me because the Mets gave Tom Glavin a lead. He gave up two runs immediately. You guys then scored a run, a run, a run. Before you know it, it's 4-2. And you got called in in the eighth inning with the Mets down by two, with guys on base, <coughs> and Jose Valentin was up. And you gave us a preview none of us knew was coming. Because you struck him out on a curveball that I have to tell you. Because I went back and watched this to remind myself. It was not a freaking strike. Like, you know that, right? It was off the plate. I mean, this is all. You know, we didn't have a box back then. (laughs) So, was it a ball or a strike? Be honest. Your guy, your guy, Tommy Glavin, did he ever throw a pitch on, did he ever throw a strike on no. the plate in his entire no. life? No, I he mean, did not actually. You know, the guy's getting, he's a master at getting this far off the plate. I would have loved to have had that strike zone. So don't give me that. But uh, I, I'll, I'll go back to a different yeah. at bat. I think one of the keys to the bat, uh, uh, key, key at bats of the series was first and second, no outs in the bottom of the ninth. You had a pinch 
uh, hitter up that was going to bunt, and you pulled him back, and you brought in yes. Chris Floyd. You brought in yes. Chris Floyd, and um, that was kind of your 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 manager Randolph was going for right there. He he thought there's got a young guy on the mound. He's he's exposed. He's out there shaking his you know knees together, knocking his knees together, and and can't handle this moment. Cliff is about to hit a giant home run. And, uh, and, and, and watching that as a bat back, actually, it gets me more nervous almost than the Beltran at bat because in the moment, I'm not nervous, not at all. I get nervous now watching it back, but I threw him like five straight heaters inside yep. over and over and over again, just challenging because, you know, you couldn't let Cliff get extended. If Cliff got extended, he was going to hit a ball 200 miles an hour. He had, he had that, he had those, like some of the hardest line drives I've ever seen hit. Yes. He hit him. And uh, just a, just a monster of a guy in the in the batter's box, but um, you know after I had him set up so hard in, uh, there was no way he could think anything else was coming. He had to get ready for ninety four on his hands over and over again, and he just missed the first yep. one. He just missed it. If I don't get that in, if I don't get that in one more inch, he hits that five hundred feet, and then Randolph makes the greatest call ever. But um, you know then the. The two-two curveball. There's just no way he couldn't well, look for it. Okay, I'm so glad you brought this one up because this is one of those first second guesses in the history of the Mets. We get the first two guys on base, like you said. We're down by two after that Yachty home run, which is another moment. Yachty will be uh, another guy who joins me down the road on the killer series because that was a killer moment. But yeah. I remember sitting there thinking, I want a bunt, and the guy to bunt was Tom Glavin because he was the best bunter on the team, but. How would you have reacted? Because it would have been so obvious if Tom Glavin is sent up as a pinch hitter to lay down a bunt. Like, we all know what's going on. Like, their other option was Anderson Hernandez, but Glavin was literally their best punter. So if yeah. Glavin comes up there with two on and nobody out, and you know he's bunting, like, I don't know. How would you have faced him? Let me tell you something. No one watched him lay down more bunts than I do. Right. Than I did growing up. I mean, that guy was a master bunner. He was a very, very good bunner. All those Braves guys were great bunners. That was a big part of their deal. But he was great at it. I do think it would have been very hard to bunt some of my off-speed stuff in those days. But if anyone could have done it, it would have been him. I imagine we would have had some kind of wheel play right. on. And, um, so that, you know, thinking that Glavin's up there, you, you still take your chances, I think, even if he knows you're crashing, that he's not going to pull back and swing and hit a ground ball or line drive through a hole somewhere. Uh, he had great back control, but you still like your chances in that moment to put a wheel play on, I would think. But, hey, it didn't happen. You, you put in Cliff. You know, I, there's, you know, this is all huh. ifs and buts. And when he came up, my biggest fear was a double play because he couldn't move. Like, he had, I think it was knee issues at the time. So my fear was, boy, he hits the ball on the ground. It's a freaking double play. Innings over. Either hit a home run or strike out. Because at least if you strike out, like the innings still sort of continued. What, yeah. what would you have wanted then? Like, as you're on the mound, two run lead, two outs, or two on, nobody out. Would you have preferred the Mets send up an obvious punter? Or was it better to face a guy like Cliff Wood, who you know is just trying to go for the downs? No, I mean, I think it, you know, I don't know. In that moment, it, it didn't matter to me. I was just overly cocky. <laughs> uh, the first two guys reached, I'll tell you this, the first time I ever heard a thing from the crowd all year was those first two batters, and the whole crowd was going nuts. And your former Met hand, uh, Jason Isringhausen, 
Um, he taught me a lesson earlier that year in spring training. He said, in the, in the biggest spots this year, you're going to get in some big spots. In the biggest spots, when the game feels like it's running away from you and it's speeding up and you got to slow it down, you need to step off the rubber. You can take a couple of deep breaths. You just need to reset. And if you do that, the game will slow down, trust me. And I did that in that moment. I remember that, and I did it in that moment. And I told you, every mother effer that I was hearing from the stands that was raining down on me, um, I didn't hear them anymore. It was like clearing the mechanism or whatever that uh, was in that movie. So um, that really got me through that moment. I don't think I would have cared who was coming up. Um, I, in my mind, from that second on, we were getting whoever it was out, you know, but I'd certainly think that in that spot, you know, especially with the swings he ended up taking, Cliff was probably the right call. Well, Cliff strikes out, Reyes hits that line drive we talked about earlier. You walked LaDuca. You weren't pitching around LaDuca, right? Like you weren't cockily trying to go up the Beltron, right? No. And you look at that pitch. If that's off the plate, it's like a half a centimeter it was close, off the yeah. plate. I mean, he could have very easily rung him there on a three, two pitch. It was a fastball sinker down the way. I thought I made a great pitch. And, uh, if it's off the plate, it's, you know, I think that's one of those, if we had the, 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 the box now, that would have been like part of the ball right. was on the box and the other, well, you know, if we had the box, you wouldn't box, have struck but, out Valentin in game five, if we're being fair. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, your box, my box is a little bigger than <laughs> right. your box. So. so is it the Tommy um, Glavin box? Because I will give you that. Glavin had a giant box, man, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, the, here, here's where here's where uh, some Mets fans don't know what happened. Um, when Beltran comes to the plate, we got bases loaded, yep. two outs. And I'm doing this because you got to force out at any base, obviously. So it's the smart play, statistically, to walk Valentin in there, right? I'm just teasing. Um, so – uh, Beltran comes up to bat. Yachty comes out to talk, talk to me. And this is why I hate the pitch clock in these big moments. Just right. in the big moments now. I, know, I understand, you know, regular season stuff, it's it's important and whatever. But I feel kind of like they. I wish they kind of get, get rid of it in, in some of the spots. I know you can't do that, but uh, this moment was so key for the whole series. You know, I wish you could call time or something three times a game and just have more extended time. Something. But Yachty comes out to talk to me. And uh, he says... Um, Hey, what, what are you thinking here? I'm thinking sinker down and away. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to be swinging first pitch. So we got to make this pitch down and away. I said, great. He gets back behind home plate and he looks up at Carlos and then he looks out at me and he goes, Hey, stay with me right here. We had a kind of a sign for that. And, uh, I just had such incredible faith mm -hmm. in Yachty. Um, that whatever he was about to do would make sense. And I thought he was going to put curveball down. But he put change up down. And in the moment, I thought, wow, that's brilliant. He'll never expect that. And I had enough moxie to throw it. Now when I watch back, I'm like, don't throw a change <laughs> up. If you, you know, this is your fourth best pitch. What are you doing? But uh, if you look at the pitch, it looks like a meatball right down the middle. But that change up actually started at him and worked back to the middle of the plate, but it started at him and it was slower. So usually if it starts at you, you're going to have a hair trigger, like, all right, I'm swinging. But it, when it was slower, you could see his eyes kind of light up and he steps out and his eyes got really big. And I knew right there, I knew, mm. Yachty. I knew Yachty, I knew Yachty outsmarted him right there, but his eyes got really big and he was like, what the heck was that? Because you know, he was thinking, all right, this is going to be a fastball. This is going right. to be a curveball. 
He might throw a cutter slider thing in on my hands, but probably going to be hard or slow. And then I throw this change up. The last thing he expected, that kind of really feel like that might have got him kind of out of whack. Well, it certainly worked. And obviously, there's a curveball that lives in infamy when you were ahead 0 and 2. And you, you were confident. Like you knew when you threw the 0 2 curveball, did you know I'm going to fool him so badly he's not even going to swing? Well, what we knew was, and Yadi talked, and Yadi and I talked about it before the game. We've been watching his at bats all series, and and all postseason really. And and Carlos was very aggressive early in the count, so oh 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 one, swinging all the time, taking his rips and 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 hitting pretty good, right? Like I think he was coming into that series, he was hitting like 500 in the postseason, and almost that in his yeah, career. Great postseason. postseason. I mean, the guy was, yeah. and he was a cardinal killer you know, in the puppies and leading yep. up to that moment. So, um, well, we've been watching him after those two pitches though. Very patient. O2 counts a lot. We had him O2 a lot, but then it would be one, two, 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 three, two every time. And then somebody would throw some up there and he'd hook it in the corner, run to second and, or hit a home run or whatever it was. So I look at Yachty and I said, man, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Here, if we get this guy 0-2, what are you thinking? I said, I- I'm thinking he's going to take this pitch if we throw mm. it 0-2. And he says, I-, I think he will too. And so I said, man, I- 0-2, I'm going to throw the best strike that I can possibly throw, located, but strike, and we're going to take our chances. And, I mean, you know, that's that's part of the reason it worked is that I had 100% belief in it. But it's kind of cra- crazy mindset now. You know, my pitching coach this last year, Dusty Blake, would have punched me in the head if I had that kind of right. comment before the game. But, but you know, that's this is a key. This is when I tell young pitchers about watching film and and really learning the hitters and preparing. This is one of the stories I tell because you know, without watching and paying attention, we don't right. know that. You know, we don't make that pitch. I probably bounced one there. He doesn't right. swing. Now we got one, two, then we go, all right, do we go back to curveball or do we go fastball, which is what he wants, great fastball hitter. So I'm thinking, well, shoot, you know, because we didn't get there because we paid attention, we prepared, and luckily I executed a pitch. Sure did. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Now, we didn't see you for a while after that because you just never faced you, like for whatever reason. A few years later, Beltron gets traded by us to the Giants, then as a free agent signs with the Cardinals. And I know that was the year you had the Tommy John, but you were there. I mean, you were around. Did you ever talk trash to Carlos? Did you ever say, hey, what's up, Carlos? How's so Carlos, that Carlos, was, Carlos came to us in 2012. That was after us. So I was back pitching. Um, so Carlos was with us 2012 and 2013. Gotcha, gotcha. And, uh, yeah, so that when, I, when I found out we had signed Carlos, first of all, super excited, great player, great playoff player, uh, winning player, smart player. Uh, great teammate. Everything that we'd always heard was actually true. This guy's an amazing person, by the way. Amazing person, uh, amazing wife, amazing family. Like when you watch Carlos and you watch his wife, you feel like they're the president and, the, and like right. the first lady. They're so professional. Like she's always dressed to the nine. 
and he's always dressed to the nines. Like they, they're always the best looking people in the room and they're the most like smooth person in the room. Like the way he walks and the way he dances is all like, just like really just super cool. So, um, I was excited. I called him and I think I was one of the first people to call him. And, uh, I said, Hey, listen, let's get this out. Everyone's going to ask us about it. Everyone's going to ask me what I'm saying about it. I said, Carlos, how do you want to handle this out of respect for you being the veteran player that you are and great player and new teammate? I'd, I'd love to respect you here and, and say, how do you want to handle it? However you want to handle it is how we're going to handle it. And he said, you know what, brother, that was a great moment for you. That was not so great for me. Let's leave it in the past. Never uh, talked about it again. I think Carlos gets too much crap for that moment from Met fans. Cause Carlos Beltran was a great Met. I'd be the first to tell you, but there are Met fans that don't appreciate him. And I think, unfortunately, they don't appreciate him because of one at-bat. And look, yeah. to your credit, as much as I begrudgingly say it, you made a freaking good pitch and you struck a guy out, and it seems like that has stuck with Carlos for a lot of Met fans, and it it's just unfair. I'm just, I am just don't know if you know that's the way Met fans have kind of treated him over the yeah. years, but it has been very unfair. Yeah, and, and, and Carlos, like you said earlier, hadn't faced me a whole lot. You know, he had very had... I don't even know if he had an at-bat off me um, before that series. And so, I mean, there wasn't a lot of familiarity there. Uh, it was kind of based off scouting reports. And the scouting reports back in the day were not like they are now. You know, now you know what color the guy was his favorite color in fifth right. grade, you know. Um, but uh, I, I think that that also played into to it with me. But um, you know what? I'm very grateful that that worked out because if I think if I don't get out of that situation, if Cliff pops one on me or Carlos takes me deep, probably Tony trades me to the Toronto Blue Jays and they trade me to the you know the Oakland oh, Athletics and I'm out of the game yeah, in two well, years. You would want that. It's funny. You are also a part of one of the great moments in Met history because you were the starter against Johan in that glorious no-hitter. I get a lot of shit from people that it wasn't really a no hitter because of the missed call on the Beltron line drive. I'm just asking you real, no hitter, not real, no hitter. You tell me. Well, this is like your argument earlier. I mean, it was a real no hitter, you know, because that's what it right. ended up. It doesn't matter what it could have been. If the call had been made different, the call wasn't made different. So um, it was a no hitter. I had so much respect for, for Johan and what, what, um, what was crazy about that day through three innings, you you can go back and check this, but I I'm pretty, I'm right around the right area. I think I had 34 pitches and I think he had 63 pitches. Uh, through yeah, three well, that, the Johan part, I and definitely so remember because he was laboring and that's why most of us didn't even realize he had a oh, no yeah. hitter. Cause he was walking guys. He was throwing a lot of pitches. It was not, it was not as clean as you'd think. Yeah. No, 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 no. And, and, uh, and, and when you're the, the opposing pitcher, and especially I was feeling, you know, pretty good in those days, um, you start, like, tasting that, like, oh, yeah, this guy's almost done. I've got this, you know, great pitcher on the ropes. And and uh, you kind of get that little salivating feeling, like I'm about to beat this guy, you know. And, and uh, man, he just kept throwing punches. Didn't matter how many he threw. I think he threw, what, 168 pitches <laughs> or something? It was And, uh it wasn't uh -huh. quite 168, but it was a lot, man. He 158 then, 158. Yeah, he, he threw And I think there's this fear. I don't know if this is true. You better know better as a pitcher that it ruined his career. And I 
I don't buy well, it. Do you buy that? That that kind of performance ruined it? No, 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 no. I, I don't think he had much longer. You you can ask him. I, I would never asked him, but I, I don't think there was much left there. I mean, it, it's he was in a better spot than than I was this year. But I can tell you, at any time during the season, I told my manager Ali Marmol, I said, "Listen, I'm too old to come out with a no hitter. Right. I don't care if I got 465 pitches." I'm too old to come out. If that's the last way you go, that's, that's a, a great way, way to go. go. Yeah. You know, and uh, and and I think Johan probably was in the same kind of mindset, but also an old school mindset. You know, you're not thinking about coming out ever, no matter what the score is or what how you're feeling. You you battle. You find a way to finish the job until they you know snatch the ball from you. But especially in a no hitter game, that's why you see like. You know, I think there was who was it this year that had a no hitter through seven and got taken out with like eighty pitches. I Seems like it's happened it a lot it the last been, couple uh, of years. I know what happened with Kershaw recently too, and when he was coming off an injury. It might, it might have been him actually. Uh, now that I think about it, but um, you, you get a lot of texts or tweets. I mean, saying like, you know, I can't believe that I would have never done that when I was, and, and that's kind of true. That back in the day, you would it would like the manager wouldn't even ask you either he was you were just in you know but um you know i i think now with reports and what what the the, the slug is and the the ops after the third time through after the second time through and that i mean pitchers you know have a tendency to struggle more that third time through sometimes but but the thing about that is and i'll argue this to the grave every day mm. is different from the last day every single day is different than the last day uh you can never judge one pitcher the same way 32 times you know you just can't do it there's there's gonna be a couple of days where he's having a day where he just needs the ball just give it to him i don't care what that sheet says i know but my eyes are telling me this dude's mm. got it today and and managers need to be able to um to act on that instinct. They do, you know, I think it gets robotic. The game is not supposed to be so robotic. It's a rhythm. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a dance, you know, it's just, it's supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be, you know, a, a, a challenge for a manager to go, all right, well, man, what would I do here? And I, and I, and I do think there's a great place for analytics and, and all the information. There's also a great place yep. for instincts and there's some great baseball instincts in these managers and coaches that uh, I wish would use them a little bit more, but that's my soapbox right now. But um, I do, I do think there's a, that, that I'm loving the information that there's a, here's, here's what we could do. Here's what you right. probably should do. But is he having a day? No, That's what I I'm with you. I, I assume just following your career, because I, I actually, I should admit, I begrudgingly, begrudgingly started to like you as a player as time went by. May have had you on my fantasy team a few times. But the thing I actually did like about you is that I'm old school. I want the pitchers to hit. And I want the pitchers to work at hitting. I want the pitchers to not just say, oh, I suck. I guess I'll swing and miss a few yeah. times. And I remember hearing stories yeah. about you taking it seriously and taking the Cardinal pitchers and saying, dude, this is serious. Like we got to hit, we got to help ourselves out. Yeah. Do you miss the fact that major league baseball decided, screw it. Let's just get lazy and have the universal designated hitter. I do. I, I miss it, but I get it at the same time. Um, pitchers stopped uh, two things. Pitchers stopped 
being given the opportunity right. to work on it as much. Um, it became much less of a priority. Uh, in the older days, you hit every day. Pitchers hit every day. They hit on the field. They stood out there and shagged for the other pitchers in spring training. Every day we hit. From the first day of spring on, you hit. You know, you bunted, you got the bunts down with velocity, you got the bunts down with spin, you hit on velocity, you hit on spin, you, you worked on hitting the ball the other way, you worked on hitting runs, you worked on, you know, pull back and slugs. And, and then over time, uh, pitchers stopped um, getting those opportunities as much. They also stopped hitting, uh, taking it seriously as much. Kids, if you take it back even farther, Kids started being POs in high school, mm. pitcher only. I, this was a thing I didn't even know was a thing until a couple of years ago. I went out to high school practice and I, they're like, I'm like, what is that group of people over there doing? They're not even doing anything. And you're like, oh, those are POs. And I said, what is a PO? Oh, uh, pitcher only. <laughs> pitcher only. Yeah. In high school, let the guy swing. You never know. Is that Shohei Otani? Yeah. Must be. You never know, right? So um, there's been guys. There's been guys. There's been. Um, What's his name from, uh, he was started off with us and went to Arizona, played right field for a long time in Arizona. Great player, man. He, he would have never got the opportunity if he would have just been a PO. He, all of a sudden he was a pitcher with us. Now all of a sudden he's playing right field in Arizona. So Peralta. So, um, I'm just thinking, you know, let the guys be athletes, but, uh, pitchers stopped taking it seriously. Yeah. You know, it wasn't as big a deal to so the pitcher. Pitcher started. You know, I blew my Achilles out. I was the first one to say after I blew my Achilles out, do not get rid of the pitcher hitting. Do not get the DH because of this moment. It happens. People get hurt. I would have done the same thing probably right. walking upstairs. Amen, man. Amen. So, yeah. So, um, man, I just I, – I miss it, but I also get it because pitcher at bats started going no question. downhill. Do you have a parting message for us as Met fans? So, maybe an apology. You know, maybe a, hey, sorry about that. Anything you'd like to tell all of us? Well, I will say, you know, I appreciate uh, the time to share with a lot of the Mets fans. I love New York City to visit and eat food. Some of the best food, the best pizza. No one can ever tell me that's not the best pizza. That's the best pizza. Um, great steakhouses. You know, great. It's fun to get on the subway and, and hang out with folk that you wouldn't normally hang out with. You know, it's fun. I like to do that. I like meeting new people um, from a small town in Georgia. So sometimes I do like to leave and go back, but um, I love going up there. I, I love my time in New York. You know, you told me you were going to do a 30 minute thing with me. We did almost an hour. So I feel like you kind of shoved <laughs> it up my rear end a little bit too. That's right. So, um, so uh, I feel like this, you know, it's a little give and take here, but um, it was cool talking with you. I've loved my time playing against the Mets. You know, it was, it was fun. They whooped me a few times. I whooped them a few times. It was a good match. But I love one of my favorite moments ever was getting booed during the oh, All-Star yeah. game in New York. Yeah, we were that. booing you very loudly. Well, just remember big. this, and I think you already know this. You will live in Met history forever. My grandkids will know about you. My kids already know about you. They hate you. You will live forever. So congratulations on that, because not a lot of people get to do that, and you accomplished it. And so, and, and also, in all seriousness, congrats on a great career. Uh, congratulations on the Fox job. You'll do a fine, Thank fine you. job. And we do appreciate you joining us as the inaugural member of the Killer Series because who better to talk to than the guy that shoved it up our ass in 2006. So, Adam, thank you.
Ladies and gentlemen, there he is, Adam Wainwright. It's tough because after that interview, you like him a little bit more. You have to admit, there's just a part of you that says, all right, uh, okay, I still hate him. He still ruined my childhood. He still ruined my young adult life. But wow, that's a decent human being. That's a good guy. And some very insightful stories from Adam Wainwright. There's no question he's going to be very, very good on TV. Who would you like to see in the next edition of the killer series. So many options. You could email us the Rico B at gmail.com, the Rico B at gmail.com. But we do appreciate Adam Wainwright joining us. We have the video of this interview on YouTube. So if you want to see the interactions between me and Wayno, you could certainly go on the YouTube channel of WFAN and check it out. We appreciate you listening and downloading. And I remind you next week, Sunday, February 3rd, We will be posting the Rico rewatch of Game 7 of the 2006 NLCS. So if you thought the pain was done, here comes the pain. We have some more for you. (laughs) But thank you very much for listening and downloading another edition of Rico Bro. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronio podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.